0: Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode three of Cinema Club. Uh, You're joining us here on June 15th. I'm Jared.
1: And I'm Erica.
0: Thanks for coming to listen to us talk about movies.
1: Yeah, so excited. I
0: hope everyone is doing okay. Uh, Hope we're all still uh, taking care of ourselves. How are you?
1: I'm doing alright. I'm. Uh, I had like a pretty restful weekend. I cleaned a little bit. Uh, I saw. I saw some friends. Uh, Jared and I run in similar friend groups, and I saw a couple of our friends this weekend. Took a nice long walk, and it was great. What about you?
0: I'm okay. Uh, I'm very, very busy. Took the weekend to kind of deal with some news about the Robert Fuller events in Palmdale, along with some other events in the high desert. I'm originally from Palmdale, so, you know, a lot of the events um, were very personal for me. So, yeah, I kind of just took the weekend to kind of work a little bit on some personal stuff and just kind of relax and eat some food, watch some, watch some good movies, watch some TV um, which I'm excited to be here to talk about today.
1: Go, we're all going through a really uh, intense change and social movement, and I think it's it's so important. It's it's interesting to have uh, a second-hand experience, I guess, uh, as someone who didn't directly know this person, but know, knowing you, and knowing that this affects someone so deeply uh, is extremely disheartening and really not that this was not in my perspective but it definitely sheds a new light that this can be this can be anyone and this is everyone you know
0: no i mean you know it's very it's a different sort of thing when you know it's somebody you've known and met in your life and it happens in your hometown where you grew up um and i also just like have to say you know out of personal experiences that experiences that i've had um, and in Palm Down and Antelope Valley. Uh sadly this is not a surprising thing. I feel like a lot of times we like to think that we live in a bubble here in California and that, you know, we're very progressive and very liberal and, you know, our is a state um that pushes change more than others. It sadly it lives here too, you know. There's um the court my alma mater high school, the mascot was a Confederate soldier until 1995. I remember seeing Confederate flags fly- flying on pickup trucks when I was going to school and would be on like belt buckles of people, I- of friends I knew even. Yeah, you know, it. I think it, I mean, the the past months have been obviously a big wake up call for the nation, but I think for any listeners, I'm guessing most of our listeners are here in California
1: no one is immune to to what is happening now no matter where you are and i think there's a lot of growth to be to be had from everybody um even the you know the woke is people that i know are still taking this as a, an opportunity to learn more
0: on that note we also watched some movies this weekend some really good movies and also some good tv which i think i'm really excited to talk about insecure waited this episode because there is tea
1: oh man we have to give like a spoiler warning like right before in case in case anyone hasn't been up to date up until this point but
0: (laughs) how dare they how dare they not be caught up i mean if you follow Ellis on instagram you already know. know
1: people who are avoiding spoilers are probably not you know as soon as they see they just like Fling through their their feed and avoid it.
0: I guess. I guess so. I guess so.
1: Well, uh, I think it's a g- good time to just move into the first thing um, that we watched this week uh, is the new Spike Lee joint, *The uh, Five Bloods*, which is a beautiful film. It is a film following four, five, six people, should we say? Um, but it mostly follows. For Vietnam vets uh, as they make a trip back to Vietnam and essentially make a trip back to recover the remains of one of their fellow fallen soldiers one of their really good friends during the war as well as retrieve a, a huge tr- sum of treasure that they've left behind um, and it is a very interesting form of storytelling it, it uses a lot of intercutting of it, it I'm not going to, I'm not going to like really beat around the bush here. It, it uses a lot of ultra graphic footage um, from different wars, uh, a lot of hate crimes, and uh, a lot of different political movements. Um, and it is really well woven into each other. I really enjoyed this film. What did you think, Jared?
0: You know, I I need to see it again because there is a lot to unpack. It's very it's very long. It's over two and a half hours long. You know, I, I, I think it was interesting. I feel like in, in some ways it's a very classic Spike Lee film uh, that, you know, is a little all over the place and, like, very, like, in-your-face, very, like, on-the-nose, basically. Um, and even, like, on that note, too, of, like, his inclusion of, you know some of the archival footage from Vietnam and from, you know, uh, other parts of the world. I feel like this film almost deserves a trigger warning at the beginning because it, you, you know, you know, it's a film about Vietnam, you know, it's a film about Vietnam vets and PTSD. Um, but I think that in the, the state of the world that we're in, um, with, Kind of an over saturation and an over excess of um, very graphic and violent things happening every day. I feel like this was this almost deserves a trigger warning at the beginning because a lot of it. I I watched it with a friend of mine, and you know she was like this. Some of those scenes were like very made me very uncomfortable. You know, but over overall, you know, I I think it is very poignant, obviously. It has a lot that it's saying and it wants to say. Um, I'm not sure how well it kind of executes on all those things. Um, I'm very interested in sort of its exploration of trauma and PTSD um, and also kind of the exploration of toxic masculinity, especially with um, black, in the black community with fathers and sons. I, I think it was interesting. It's definitely one that needs more more watches to have a firmer firmer stance on
1: i definitely think for anyone listening who has not heard anything about this film um i will definitely definitely describe it as something that's ultra violent if it is also reminiscent of if you watch black clansman and you experience the last five minutes of that film it is a lot like that um a lot more graphic uh but also really important, I think uh, and it, I think it's it's, much like Black Klansmen, I find the, the intercutting of this archival footage to be very in your face, but it's it's confrontational. And, and especially now, it feels like, I mean, I know that it has a purpose, but it, right now it feels like it, it has a stronger sense of awareness than it might have had if I had watched this two months ago.
0: Nearly in a way, like kind of bipolar, you know, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's such an extreme range of either loving and caring or, you know, like angry and aggressive and just, just pain.
1: And it's interesting, too, I, I really like the different dynamics of this, uh, the blood squad, but like this, these polar opposites of someone who's really conservative and strong minded and, you know, at times stubborn and seeing the con- the contrast between that person and someone who might have more of a liberal outlook. It's, it's really fun. It's really I don't know if fun's the right word. It's a really uh, entertaining dynamic to watch on screen.
0: Yeah. I mean, the gem for me in this movie is the relationship between Paul and David, um, who are played by Dore Lindo and Jonathan Majors respectively. And I also just want to say both of them amazing in this movie. Dore Lindo is just I mean, his his monologues that he gave and Yeah, I mean, like you said, like, the range that he presented with this very complex character. You know, I really appreciated seeing that sort of complexity and exploration into this psyche and this kind of person that, you know, a lot of us, I feel, kind of villainize and paintbrush as evil, wrong, you know, the the other side, the bad side, you know. And not to say that, you know, any or a lot of the things that he was talking about or saying we're right or justified but you know trying to explore it and just understand where he was coming from and where like a lot of this pain was coming from Um, which I think to me this that was the gem of the movie was the exploration of that character Um, which is interesting coming from Spike uh, because he's been on record many times you know about Trump and about politics and the world um, because he's Spike and he likes to call Trump Agent Orange, which I think is a great, great nickname.
1: One of the the most beautiful unfoldings of this film to me is, I mean, kudos! I mean, the the highest of highest applause for Delroy here. Um, but definitely Paul's exploration of himself uh, in in the sense of like all of these really intense monologues that his character alone, especially later on in the film where he's kind of exploring the jungles on his own after he kind of deviates from the group at some point. Uh, Maybe I'm skipping around here, but you know, whatever. Um, I, I think it's just a very, very powerful series of monologues. It is so intense and so telling of perhaps the, the internal workings of someone like him who. Is experiencing a lot of trauma and a lot of internal demons as he faces some something that he probably hasn't really thought about conf- confronting to the fullest.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally. I think Paul is definitely you know you see this just slow spiral into madness and like when he when he finally like leaves the group after the shootout and just kind of wanders in the jungle alone like that's. That for him obviously is the lowest of his lows. You know, he's he's completely lost, and it. That, I mean, I, I think that's kind of what the film beautifully explores: is there's no, there's not going to be one good way out of this. You know, there was there's no singular track of like we're all going to get out of this okay. Like, there's definitely going to be uh, a lot of pain to go along the way. I
1: think one of the biggest. Things that stuck around with me is this phrase that the five bloods uh, keep repeating is we don't die, we multiply. And it, like I said, this film like really hits hard, I think because of the times that we're living in. And it's maybe it means something more to me now or something different than it would, like I said, if I watched this two months ago. But it it really, what it means to me is, you know, we stick together. We experience the oppression. We experience the shit. And these things... They don't disappear when when we do, you know. It, it only gets carried on through generations and generations. And I don't know. It, it's just something that really stuck with me. And I and I think I, I like the idea of applying it to this larger movement that's happening now. When I think about the things that are happening in our streets right now, these things will not be erased from history. You know, these things will only be carried on. Um, and I can only hope that they will be spoken of. Truthfully, and you know, with integrity.
0: Also, to say that Marvin Gaye song that was in there, whatever cut or version of that that is like unstripped, that's just like the best version I've heard of that song.
1: It's like a—is it acoustic or like—is it acapella? I I I can't.
0: I don't know. Uh, It's so good. I've like Googled it. I've looked for it. And I cannot find it. So, listeners, uh, we're sending this mission out to you again. <laughs> Someone, please respond. Nobody responded to our last request last week about premature. But I am begging you provide the link for that Marvin Gaye song that's in The Five Bloods, whatever that version is. I need it.
1: You haven't. You've looked for it and you haven't found it? You haven't found it?
0: I haven't found it. I have not. I, I'm guessing it's something they did like post production where they, you know, they edited it themselves. Um Yeah, I've I've listened yeah, I've listened to the studio version, I've listened to like the radio version, I've listened to the live version, none of them are the right one. I just want it, so if anyone listening uh can find it for me please. I will appreciate it forever. Also shout out Jonathan Majors. He's also really great in Last Black Man, but like in this one, we got to see him unrefined and in a different light. And I appreciate that.
1: I agree. What did you think of uh, Hedy and, and the Bomb Detonating Squad?
0: I... You know, I that was an interesting uh, sort of... I I think its purpose there was to kind of talk about that generational sort of piece of it, right? And obviously to talk about how, what is it, 50 years later since Vietnam, you know, uh, even, you know, decades later and the terror and destruction of this war, of, you know, an invasion into another country, um, is still. Affecting the people that live there, I think, and that was kind of a different side of it. Of I, I don't, I don't want to like paint her as like the greatest person, but in a way, trying to use, you know, trying to use your privilege to do better.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually didn't necessarily see her in the greatest light while I was watching it. She kind of represented this weird, not weird, but this white savior figure to me. Uh, you know, she's someone that comes from old money she comes from her family's money and what does she do with it she does it you know which is which is not anything bad at all she uses it for the greater good to go and essentially save people's lives but it it did feel a little white savior to me just the way she kind of spoke of herself and she was like you know no with all the money i'll all i did you know what i'm doing is is bigger than bigger than that and bigger than them and and i kind of i kind of get even more of a taste of that like at the end of the film where she kind of
0: she got the check oh yeah and she's with a
1: big check and she puts her hand on the on the she's got all the kids in front of her
0: yeah it was great yeah which Uh, i think you know i think that was on purpose i I, i feel like spike definitely very much put that in there to he he definitely you know gives you the perspectives. You definitely see a lot of the different sides of it.
1: Definitely, it just reminded me so much of the people that I know now. I don't know. I get she she was kind of. <laughs> I only bring it up just because I'm thinking about how I didn't think the film was very long but every scene that had her in it just felt like it was just so it was like a little pestering mosquito just hanging out and just kind of bugging me this entire time and it, it felt like time did slow down in these, mm. in these moments
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah uh great
0: film Five Bloods on Netflix now Just should go check it out uh And learn some things. Get a little educated on history and current events. Well, the other film we watched is a bit of a shift. A lot of a shift, actually. From The Five Bloods. It is this little indie gem by Terrence Nance from 2012 called An Oversimplification of Her Beauty. It's a bit of a complicated film to try and summarize because it basically is just about a man and his relationship his many relationships uh, with women over a decade and also about his feelings about this one specific woman who uh, more or less kind of leads him on strings him on and that's kind of it, you know uh, but beneath that there's a lot of layers about love and loss and missing someone and longing for someone getting over someone, not getting over someone. Uh, there's there's a lot of beautiful moments and beautiful pieces to this movie that I really love. Uh, I was recommended this film by a couple friends. Shout out Shamari and Zemei. Thank you so much for recommending this movie to me. Um, yeah. Erica, what uh, what did you think?
1: I thought this film was so real. It, it just felt like... It, it honestly just this entire film felt like someone that I know was just telling me a story of their relationships. That's, you know what I mean. It's it's so it's it's told so much so in in the first person perspective and done so well um, that you know I am assuming that this is autobiographical,
0: right? It yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. There's. There's no, there's no way you like so <laughs> correctly pinpoint like pain <laughs> yeah. and sadness th- in this way to like not have direct experiences that you're drawing from. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: it is. It's just so. It's so. I. I don't even. I don't want to say fun. It's just so nice seeing a deeper dive into a man. Like you know what I mean? Like a, a single man's perspective of love and loss. I feel like a lot of the time we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of uh, women's perspectives on relationships. Um, not not saying that I'm sick of it because absolutely not. I would love to see more uh, women tell stories about their relationships. But it's it's really nice and refreshing to see someone definitely like as you said go through love and loss and just um, and be like completely just like totaled by it you know in a way that really promotes self-awareness and self-growth seeing this the evolution of our main character Terrence is just it's so um relatable and relevant just like not only do we watch failures in love but we just watch like these these failures as not as a person but in, in like basic things you know like I I for one cannot get over this this interesting little snippet that he tells about how he, uh, this process of him carrying wood home to build his bed. Um, and he, you know, like, just missing work or, or, like, it affecting his work and, like, he's really pouring all of his time into it and just to find out that that this bed, A, doesn't really fit together very well and B, is made out of soft wood, so it, it just, like, does not... Uh, is not sturdy or rigid enough to really support anything. It's just like these are basic human flaws that I think sometimes get overlooked in when someone speaks about themselves. You know, it, it's really easy to kind of just uh, like watch it happen to someone, but for someone to be narrating their failures is very different for me.
0: Yeah, it's very revealing. I mean, it feels like you're almost just sitting in a bar and listening to your friend tell you about this thing that happened to him the last weekend and you're like yeah totally and it's like a little scattered brain and like weird because you know you've had some drinks and you're like i i guess so that kind of makes sense um and that's that's what it feels like you're watching as you're watching this like weird abstract strange explanation of feelings which is the only right way that you could do it because that's all that feelings are Feelings are these weird abstractions that are never these clear cut sort of cookie cutter perfect things that you can kind of present. You know, I think this film is a very revealing exploration of this classic thing that we're seeing nowadays is the indie sad boy. Um, and I'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna out myself here on today's episode. I am definitely guilty of. Falling into the category of indie sad boy many times.
1: One thing I really also enjoyed about this film were these what I could only maybe describe as these hand-drawn animations that kind of are inter- like woven into this this form of narrative self-narrative storytelling. I'm sure that's not a phrase, but I just made it one, so it's okay. I really, really, really enjoyed these magical and these like really beautiful animations you know they're are just things that you could not capture merely with words um and definitely can't capture visually uh but to have this you know there's kind of a monologue where he gives where he's describing one of the main uh a main character and a past love in his life and he's kind of Speaking of his, uh, eventual breakup and kind of how his, uh, this other person moves on and, and with another woman and how he kind of slowly becomes smaller and smaller and smaller in her life and how he kind of keeps trying to wedge his way back into, into her life. And, and it's just so beautifully told merely with just visual art that I honestly don't even, like, I could have gotten that entire story without him even narrating over it. I don't know. Like, Yeah. What did you think?
0: I, yeah, I mean, I think the mix of animation with live action worked perfectly for this. Uh, Again, like I said, this felt like a, it was almost like you opened the journal of this sad 20s Brooklyn kid and just like saw all these like scribbling little poems and little doodles that he's written and it's just like put onto the screen, you know, I, I think it's mixture of that animation to try and explore these more abstract emotions and thoughts uh just made it all the much better you know i loved it so much
1: yeah and if you can't tell uh jared and i love just uh indie sad love stories that take place yeah, in yeah, yeah. New York for some
0: reason. <laughs> um, uh, also, with Premature as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's keep it going. I don't know. I Maybe I'll think of another one sometime soon, but unfortunately...
0: Yeah, if anybody, if anybody knows of any <laughs> other indie sad New York films, send them our way. I mean, I'm sure we've probably seen them.
1: Give us some sappy love stories, please. Uh,
0: <laughs> seen Francis Ha. Check. Seen... So
1: many, I'm sure. I don't
0: know. There's so many. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I mean, hopefully there's a, a new release coming up soon that that kind of falls along the lines. But we'll keep an eye out. But also give us a shout out if you can think of one. Is there anything else you want to say?
0: Uh, please go watch this movie. It needs and deserves all the love it can get. I highly recommend it if it's up your alley. It's also it's kind of it's kind of a hard ish movie to recommend. I know
1: that I had I watched this in two parts because it is. This movie, to me, was a little bit slower. Yeah, I, I found myself kind of, like, zoning in and out and to the point where I realized that I was missing too much, that so I had to rewatch it. I, I think I was just so... There are so many moments that I found uh, oddly self-reflective that I kind of just got caught up in my own thoughts. And then I would forget that a movie is going on right before my eyes, so I'd have to rewind and watch it back. Um which honestly helped a lot, so it kind of it kind of really, uh, the story gets to you once you've seen the same scene five times.
0: <laughs> I do have a question for you. Would you partake in a, because this film, like you said, is very, seems to have a lot of reflective, self-reflective, almost autobiographical pieces to it. Would you partake in something like this if your partner was like, hey, I'm gonna make a film about our relationship. Can I sit you down and interview you in this way?
1: You know, yes, because in a way, sometimes these moments of of love and just these experiences kind of get lost. Otherwise, you know, you you forget how you felt about a breakup, you know, what, like mm-hmm. five months ago, let alone like five years ago. So it's just
0: Wait, you wait, you do forget about how you felt?
1: Yeah. I you know, like you know, some some moments are just.
0: Oh man, oh, uh, I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking about the girl who dumped me on the fifth grade playground. It <laughs> lives with me to this day.
1: I don't know, I but but you know, but that but you probably experienced such that ex- same exact feeling with such
0: mm. intensity
1: at yeah. the moment, and I think looking back to it is is such a special experience. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's kind of it's a treat to have that moment of self-reflection quite literally because you're just watching yourself on a screen but I also when we're talking in the context of this movie and how Terrence kind of goes about his relationship I I'm a little conflicted about how he goes about telling a story with his partner because in the film we kind of realize that his partner his nameless partner is being uh, documented this entire time and does not know really in what context you know she knows that there that she's reenacting a uh, moment maybe moments of their relationship or just moments of a relationship but I think she, like I said she might not have too much context of of where this is all going so yes I wouldn't mind being filmed um, and speaking of my relationship but no I would not like to be out of the loop about it
0: yeah it's hard I mean coming you know, from my side I'm you know. A filmmaker, I think the idea is very interesting. I, I would love to do this uh, with my partner um, but you know it obviously has to have the consent of the other party being okay with kind of being the re- having the relationship flayed and exposed open like that. It's very personal but it's like all film you know it's like all art all art is very personal like that and at least you know for the creator of it
1: speaking of really difficult relationships to watch on tv and or movies
0: that's all we have to talk about this week right is there anything
1: oh you know so weird i no absolutely not are you fucking kidding me
0: um before before we tear into this we need to do spoiler warning
1: okay this is this is a spoiler warning if you haven't watched the season finale of insecure then you need to just scrub past the next five minutes of this because my fucking god are you kidding me oh my god i like once again jared and i texting back and forth watching this the first five minutes Lawrence is like, guess what? Guess who is moving to San Francisco? And it's just jaw dropping. And then, oh, uh, I—you were related. I was—I was like, what is going to happen to Larissa?
0: I mean, we're getting episodes are getting recorded here. Or are they? Like, this is the best. I can't wait. That's what I thought in the first few minutes. After Lawrence dropped the news. It's very excited. Very excited. Right out of the gate. Best episode yet.
1: I, I did not feel the same way because Issa was out here like, well, maybe I would move for you. And then...
0: <sighs> Which, I mean, we've already expressed how our varying opinions are about the relationship is. Erica, you stand in support of them. I am very much against it.
1: But I do not I wanna get this clear. I did not support the idea of her moving to San Francisco for him because
0: But see, that's a part of the problem. That's a part of the problem is that you you let Issa start going into this whole thing of like being back with this guy. No and look what look it's what, too look fast what almost soon. happened. Look what almost <laughs> happened. Oh, so now now it's too okay. fast.
1: Okay. It's actually not because they have had, they've had history together, but, but also I'm unclear about how much time has passed from the episode before this to the finale, maybe a week, maybe some months, maybe three hours. Who knows? I just don't want to see Issa move, move to the bay. That's all. I, I like her dynamic with her friends and I don't need her leaving for Lawrence. Not that he is. Not that he's not, he's not, like, ain't shit.
0: I would move, well, you know, to be fair, I would move for Lawrence. I would move.
1: Well, listen, he, I'm not gonna say he ain't shit, but it's like, but he's not, he's not that, you know? <laughs> I just, I just, know, No. I, I've always felt like.
0: But, by episode's end.
1: True, you're fine.
0: What's happening? By episode's end, what is happening. Like it it, it ...it... cancels everything with an addition of some baby mama.
1: <laughs> wow. Is that, how is that how you're stringing that sentence together? Besides some baby mama condola. All right. Yes. Let's just, okay. Insane. Because, like, so if you haven't really caught on to the last two seconds we've been talking, by the end of this episode, Lawrence drops a fucking huge, stinking diaper bomb by saying that Condola is gonna have their child, which is insane. Because I know Lawrence is a good guy, and I know he's gonna be like, "I need to be a part of this baby's life." But also, what about Issa?
0: <laughs> but it, like, it's his kid. I'm, I, I'm completely with you. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. But also, we don't get the relationship. That they don't deserve. They don't deserve each other. They deserve better. They deserve different. And if this is the means to get there, I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. But it's how it's how we're here. It's we are where we are.
1: I'm just like not gonna disagree with you, like through this recording. Like I'll text you about this later. Um because I'm not gonna like bother our listeners with it. But I completely disagree.
0: I mean, completely. You can go ahead and gaslight me. I
1: completely disagree, but that's fine.
0: Like gas no, I mean you should go off.
1: No, no, no. It's okay. Uh, that's all I have to say. I completely disagree. But um, I have a question for you. Do you watch the wind downs after the episodes or no?
0: I don't, actually. I don't.
1: I at least just started watching them, and I just like couldn't get enough of the drama after the episode ended, so I had to watch the wind down. And in the wind down, Issa sits down, Issa Rae sits down with Prentice Penny, who I believe is a... Co-creator of the show with Amanda Seals, and they have this really um interesting talk about postpartum depression. I thought this was such an interesting storyline, this line of Tiffany running away. And at first I I, at first I didn't realize I mean, upon watching it, I didn't think that what she was going through was depression at this moment. I kind of just thought it was the last straw that snapped you know, on, on her back and just like kind of broke loose and was like, fuck this. I want to get drunk and I don't want to come home. And I, you know, I'm, who knows what I'm going to do. I'm going to run free. I'm going to go fuck wild, whatever. But it didn't occur to me until like the, the very intense, like sense of urgency around all the characters kind of frantically looking for Tiffany. Um, And it, you know, it was, it really hit me over the head when I watched the wine down. Um, But it's, it's so interesting. Amanda Seals talks about how she, as an actress, um, kind of had her, her two cents in this and was like, as the season progressed, she kind of wanted to look more, you know, rougher around the edges and more like disheveled, so to speak, as the season progresses, because she's really kind of losing her sense of self and, and is getting deeper into this whole of postpartum depression. Um, she says like by the end of by the last episode she actually does not have like a manicure on at all. Like this in the like she her character's known to have these like really long acrylics and, you know, is always done up and is always like the strong one of, of her friend group and to see her kind of just like broken down, no makeup, no clothes. She's just wearing a towel at the end of this. It's it's just such a oh, it's, it, like, is bone-chilling. I don't know. What did you think?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate it and like, that they finally, you know, really gave this the attention it deserved. I felt like they should have kind of explored it a little bit more early in the season. Uh, I mean, maybe that was just kind of my own blindness to, you know, the smaller details that I may have not noticed. But, yeah, that really reminds me, too, of a movie, Tully, uh, which explores this uh, very extensively. Um, which is a really great movie
1: you should really watch the wind down because they do discuss that um, and and it's not a very noticeable change over the course of the season but that that sense of oh how could I have missed this entire time is like completely intentional and it's it's just like this message of this group of friends are are just losing their, their bond with each other you know that they aren't checking in with each other like Tiffany's going through this fucking breakdown and none of them are noticing because they're all just so wrapped up in their own drama and so are we we're wrapped up in their drama too and that so much that we didn't even notice and and that's that is storytelling that's what that is yeah Chef's kiss.
0: I mean, even, like, the same thing, you know, with Nathan's character and his, you know, issues with bipolar disorder. You know, I feel like that was something that we maybe either don't see or kind of ignore or put to the side a little bit, and then, you know, kind of, like, confronts us to our face. And about Nathan, what's going to happen with Nathan and Issa now that Issa and Lawrence isn't a thing?
1: I think Nathan is in a place where he knows that he has room to grow and I think you know, despite him perhaps wanting to be with Issa or just wanting Issa, he, I think he's in a place where he's like, you know he's starting a new business for himself he's, he's working on himself I think this season does a really good job at portraying uh, this untouched topic, often untouched topic of mental illness and and mental health Uh, we kind of, you know, in the season like you just mentioned, we, we get to find out why Nathan kind of you know, goes under the radar and disappears. Meanwhile, there's this Tiffany thing. Meanwhile, Molly is losing her damn mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I, I really enjoyed how this season brought these issues to the table and how they addressed them and how they weren't just weird, small characters or weird, small character flaws, but they were... These things that kind of lingered in the back of these characters' minds that kind of built up to something else, and I, I I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely you know it takes the little quirks like you said and brings them into more complex, drawn out issues with the with themselves, with each other, um, with you know relationships of any kind. Uh, yeah, you know, I think this se- season definitely started to explore. Uh, mental health in the Black community in a way that felt like it, it was just beginning the conversation, you know. Uh.
1: And this is a conversation I hope continues to be had um, into season five because I I see that that they they're doing it, they it's happening. So
0: coming out in twenty thirty, who knows?
1: <laughs> Hopefully, I I hope sooner than that. Um, because I need my fix, but something to hold me off, um, Yvonne Orji's Mama, I Made It, I think that's something that we'll be watching, yeah, and I didn't, I think we might have mentioned it earlier, I'm not sure if we did, but I, it was new information to me in the past weeks that Yvonne Orji is a comedian, and she is hilarious, um, not that I've watched the special yet, but... Uh, just, like, the little trailer that I've seen seems great. I can't wait. Maybe after this recording, I'm gonna go sit down and watch it, because... Yeah. I need it.
0: (laughs) Yes. And then we're also gonna see Miss Juneteenth, which just came out. Or is just about to come out.
1: And I cannot wait to watch Lovebirds. Uh, oh my god, because... I can you tell that we can't get enough of the of these like lovely ladies um yes I can't wait to watch lovebirds I think it's a rom-com uh I want to describe it as a rom-com with Kumail Nanjiani and your favorite Issa Rae uh you'll hear more about it next week but I cannot wait to watch I can't wait to watch all of these we have so much to talk about um once again thank you for listening and uh please stay safe out there for anyone who is protesting for anyone who is protesting virtually and just or just even you know practicing self-preservation educating yourself and staying safe and protecting your brown and black bodies to anyone out there thank you and stay safe i also want to call out um if you do have any great film or TV recommendations that you think Jared and I were like would like, um, please just like send us a DM. We're on Instagram. I believe you can tweet us. Jer- Jared runs the Twitter. Maybe the- it's Elves that run it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's I I don't run it. I don't know who runs it. It's some mystery some mystery machine. Uh, yeah, follow our socials, Cinema Club. Yeah.
1: Once again, thank you for listening. I will love to talk to you next week. And until then, see ya.
0: Bye. Bye!